Hello and welcome to another episode of the 1970. I'm Ed, and as always, I'm joined by fellow PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon. This is an emergency podcast of sorts. There's so much going on in the world of PSG right now. The club has completely dominated the headlines. So we just had to jump on the mic and share our thoughts on the biggest stories surrounding the club, including the potential return of Leonardo, then there's Neymar's injury, and could Adrian Rabio actually stay in Paris? There's so much to talk about, so little time. Let's get started, shall we? Up first, we've got the return of Leonardo. Uh, This is a man, he played at PSG. He was the director of football at PSG. He was in charge of all of the club's major transfer market decisions. Uh, But all the rumors have him coming to Paris. So what do you think about that? Good move? Bad move? Indifferent? Well, put a little context behind it first. He was the uh, the sporting director from 2011 to 2013. He was the sort of the godfather of this uh, of this project from the uh, QSI perspective and that he signed all of the initial really key pieces to the early run here. Javier Pastore, Marco Verratti, Blaise Matuidi. And pretty much ever since he's left, there's been a bit of a void here at the uh, in There's a bit of a power vacuum that's developed in a bunch of sporting directors have tried to take that place. None of them have really succeeded all that well. And it seems like right now the uh, the Qataris, who are even above Nasser al-Khalifi, the president, have sort of made a decision to go back to Leonardo, who has resigned from AC Milan. They're basically reporting at this point, and I think, enough people are reporting it that I can kind of go with it, that he's already pretty much in place running things. So it isn't one of those things where it's rumor and innuendo. This is, I think, a real thing that's happened. Like, it's weird, though. You know, there hasn't really been any official word or announcement. But at this point, he pretty much, by all accounts, is the, the sporting director. We do have those cryptic tweets from Jonathan Johnson, though, which pretty much all but confirms that he is returning or is already there doing the job. Um, I thought I also read something about with Nasser's, uh, you know, legal issues that the the move to Leonardo, someone who's experienced in the job, who's done it before, let him kind of take the reins so that Nasser can sort of fall back a little bit and take care of what he needs to take care of. Um, so I think it's a good move if that is true. Um, he knows the job. He's brought in big players. It was a huge signing. Um, when he came. So, um, and I, when you were talking, I also mentioned Jeremy Menez was another signing. Um, PSG tourist Matt will love that mention of his favorite player. But yeah, I think it's a it's a great move. And if he can bring in, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But if he can bring in delete delight, um, if he can bring in a player like that and, and check all the boxes that we need this transfer window, I think it'd be amazing move. And Henrique, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But I think his he's you know run through his time here. I just don't know if he has any more to give us. Um, He had some highs, he had some lows, but I think it's time to move on. Yeah, and it's all very interesting how this came together over the last two weeks or so. There'd been reports that this was maybe in the works, but it hadn't really developed. And now that it's starting to really sort of develop and sink in that this is, in fact, the direction, it really is a... It's a, it's an interesting power shift in a time where I think there's some risk to it, but clearly this is a statement of intent that PSG are going to be a more, uh, let's say, bolder operation than what they've been the last couple of years. And you might want to say to yourself, well, isn't buying Neymar and Kylian Mbappe ambitious enough? Well, yes, it is. But, I mean, everything after that has been very unambitious to a degree. And we'll, we'll get into it more. But one of the ambitious moves that the Qataris are looking to make is to sign Matias Delete. That's how I'm going to pronounce it until someone tells me otherwise. Um, this is uh, gives, I think, PSG fans a bit of deja vu. Um 
earlier this year in January, PSG looked to be on the verge of signing his countryman and fellow uh, former teammate Frankie de Jong, but um, it appeared that Antero Henrique was played in that situation, and PSG ended up not getting him after very much looking like they would. So, in this situation, Matias Elite, uh, is this going to happen? Is this a different situation than the one that we had before? And if it is, what does this move say, and how does this affect things going forward? Because this would be a major, major signing for this club. Yeah, so the report came from our friends at ESPN, Jonathan Johnson and Julian Laurens. And so in that piece, they have a source um, that said that PSG are the favorites to sign the IX defender. Um, some of the reasons they included... Uh, were more playing time as opposed to maybe going to a Manchester United or Barcelona. And let's just be honest, he's not going to Manchester United to play in the Europa League. That's ridiculous. Um, but he could have more playing time um, at PSG. And also the the agent fees. PSG were more willing to pay those exorbitant uh, agent fees. So when you start to think about it, 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 it sounds like it really could happen this time. Um, the De Jong signing fell through mostly because... Barcelona, you know, tapped him up and they kind of used Henrik, as you mentioned, and then they called Nike and said, hey, we need a little bit of extra money. And they helped funded that uh, fund that um, transfer. So we lost out on him. But with Delete, I think that this I think it could happen in the story. I think I mentioned on Twitter that I thought the source was coming from, you know, Delete's camp or maybe even his agent. Um, they were leaking this and maybe they were trying to get a bigger offer from someone else. But you kind of talked me down from that point of view. So I think this has a really good chance. And I I mean, if we can get Leonardo and delete at the same on the same day, I'm going to be ecstatic. I tweeted that out and a bunch of people agree with me. So it, it was it was a dark season for PSG supporters. But if we can turn this around and get a great start to our transfer window, um, it, it's nothing but up from there. What do you think? Yeah, it also it, it also comes down to the, the again, it's the shifting dynamics. Um Antero Henrique had been working on this. I don't know how diligently. I don't know how ferociously. But I I think that if Matias Delit does not come to PSG, I don't think it would be because they didn't pay him enough. Like, I mean, and as somebody who does not like Barcelona or what they stand for in the uh, current sort of – what in their current iteration where – and not to get too deep into it, but I kind of feel that they're hypocritical frauds and how they kind of uh, have handled all of their recent success. And they've essentially become the kind of big money club that they've sort of been meant to, to not be over the years. And all the La Masia garbage that doesn't really mean anything anymore because they buy all their players like everyone else does. But anywho... Um, I don't see Barcelona having the money to match it just because they, they have so many other people they have to sign. He, he, Juventus doesn't make transfers that big unless it's like Ronaldo or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I just – I look at this and go, PSG want this. Like there's an, there's an intent here to sign an elite-level talent, a big-money free agent for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. and present him to the world. That's how it worked in the old days. And they'd sort of lost that touch under Henrique and under Patrick Clivert. So as much as this is a, a, a need signing, which to a degree it is a bit of a need signing, it's more of a statement signing than anything else. Yeah, and I think Barcelona would have to offload Umtiti uh, for a sizable margin if they want to, or Coutinho, which we've also been rumored to be in for, which I don't believe that too much. But they would need to raise some funds in order to sign him or, again, call Nike. But I, I love Delete. I think he would fill a need for us. I'm not sold on Tilo Kara. I'm I love Presno King Pembe. I think he had a down year. I think he can bounce back. But, you know, Thiago Silva is getting older. He may get an injury. He probably needs to play a few less minutes. And you've got this 19-year-old who plays like he's 28, like a seasoned veteran. Um, he's got Champion League uh, experience. I, it would be an amazing signing. 
I think PSG need to just push all their chips and just say, what do you want? You know, we cannot lose out on another IX player. I mean, that that team inspired so many people. They were great to watch. I just think if we can sign one of them, and especially this kid, it'd be wonderful. So well, fingers crossed on that you, one. That's what they're, lucky for you, that's what they're doing. Like, I don't think yeah. there's any... I don't think there's any gumption about this. This is this is uh, this is like put your chips on the table. We're we're paying yeah. more than anybody else. You know we're not. You know we're not going to try to let this one go if we can help it. I mean, do we have a sense of the time frame on this? So this article came out and said PSG are the favorites. I mean, you know you had Hazard sign for Real Madrid today. Like, what's the holdup? What are we possibly waiting for? Not. Not, I, I'm assuming they're waiting till the ninth, which is okay. the opening of the window, if if anything, which is Sunday. It, well, I don't know when this drops, but it would yeah. be Sunday. It, I mean, are we like tracking planes from, you know? No, uh, we're not tracking planes. We need to know when no, he's going to no, be arriving in Paris. No, stop. We're not tracking planes. <laughs> All right, let's not, move. We're not stalkers. We're not yeah, stalkers. we're not Barcelona fans. All right, so we're moving on to the goalkeeper situation. Gianluigi Buffon. He. Yep has left the club sadly um now this leaves alphonse Ariola and your boy Cibois. i think and and, and kevin trapp who's, and, uh, who's still, up, still there he was my vote for the player that i always forget is actually a phd player um so yeah so we have them so what do you do there's several goalkeepers that are out there that you could target or do you think that Ariola is the guy to carry us through Champions League in the whole season? Or do you think Trap is the guy? What What do you do if you're Leonardo? I think at this point, if PSG thought Alphonse Ariola was their number one goalkeeper, they would have made him their number one goalkeeper by now. And I... I I think he's done about as well as he can to put himself in a position to be PSG's number one goalkeeper. The problem is he's not at that elite, elite level of goalkeeping. And you know that because last year when there was an issue of Alphonse Areola's availability on the open market, the team you heard the most was Newcastle. And if you're an elite goalie, if you're Jan Oblak, if you're David De Gea, if you're Ter Stegen, if you're Neuer, you're not getting linked with Newcastle. You're getting linked with other top European clubs. So it's pretty obvious that the rest of Europe doesn't see Alphonse Ariola as an elite goalkeeper. And He's had his great moments, and he has some really good qualities. But I just go back to that game against OL in mm -hmm. the uh, in the regular season this year. He was tremendous in that first half. But even as tremendous as he was, it was his mistake that cost them the first goal. And I understood completely why they went with Buffon in the Champions League games that counted. I, I got it. it. It made sense to me. It didn't work, but I'd still make that decision, I think. I And again, that's, you know, I'm not going to use hindsight here. I would make that decision again and live with the results. Now, it's clear that Gigi can't really play at that sort of high level anymore. He's 41 years old and he can't really move as well. So you move on from him. You sell Alphonse Ariola. And you sign a number one goalkeeper. The names that are coming up to mind are De Gea and Kaylor Navas. I would mm -hmm. sign Navas yesterday because you don't you have so many other needs on that team that you can't spend ninety million to eighty million euros on a goalkeeper. Just it's it it's not practical. And if you can get a guy who's Maybe not the best goalkeeper in the world, but he's clearly top 10, top 15. Mm -hmm. He's clearly been in major matches. He's clearly won major matches. He's been a good player on three Champions League teams. Like, and you're not getting him for a ridiculous fee either, 20 to 25 million? Like, that's the reported number. 
that that's that deal almost makes too much sense to me. Like it's almost a deal that so makes so much sense that PSG wouldn't actually do it. <laughs> that could be this season's Juan Bernat signing. You know, getting a quality player, reasonable price. What's disheartening about all of this is that you want it so bad for Ariel. He's been with the club so long. He came up through the youth academy. You want him to take that number one shirt and just wear it and perform well and win games in the Champions League. And he just never quite gets to that level. And you're spot on with talking about the Newcastle rumors. And I just don't think he's at that level. And the unfortunate part is, is that he and Trap do not want to play second fiddle to someone. They... They're at a stage in their career where they want to start, and unfortunately, they're just not at the level that we need. So PSG are going to need to move on. They're going to need to sell both of them, and I think there will be a market for them, and I think we can make a profit on them. So that'll be good. But like you said, Navas, he he would be fantastic if we're looking to save some money. Um, you know, this delete signing could uh, take quite a bit of our transfer funds that we have this summer. But if you can get an Oblak, I think, or De Gea. Yeah, you know they're they're at that upper echelon. But you don't have the money. You yeah, if you don't have the money, and there's you don't too have many. The money. It's just that it's that it's that yeah. simple. You can't you can't invent. Not, yeah. You can't just create eighty million euros out of nothing. Like it's it, yeah. that's, that's just how it is. And you do and, need a midfield. And but if we can get Rabio back, maybe. No, 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 no. Save, we don't they, need to they, they, save that. Save that. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's put a bookmark there. All right, um, let's let's move well, on let's, from the goalkeeper. To, I'll, I'll get the next topic here. Okay. We have um, the centerpiece of PSG's most recent part of their Qatari project, Neymar Jr. getting hurt again. Yes, in the uh, first Brazil friendly of their Copa America campaign against, ironically enough, the country of Qatar. <laughs> Why Qatar is in a Copa America, I don't know. I don't know why they're there. It. I don't know why Japan's there either, but they're there. Um, he about 15 minutes in or so steps the wrong way, rolls his right ankle, severely sprains it. Out probably at least six weeks. You know, I I I love watching him play. I love. Whenever he's on the field, he makes PSG five times better than they would be, and he gives them a chance to win every game they play. But part of part of being an excellent player is the ability to stay healthy and to be on the field. And right now, it just seems like with these injuries and the other stuff and all of it, that... He just feels like it's, you know, if well, what's the, what's the, it's Murphy's law, right? What can go yeah. wrong will go wrong. That's right. The rolling of the ankle, I think it needs to be addressed. Nike needs to design some sort of shoe. It was like, if you watch college basketball here in the States, Zion Williamson, when he busted through his shoe, I'm sure Nike has now developed a shoe that he cannot bust through. It is like quadruple forge with leather or whatever like they need to look at whatever is happening with neymar and build some sort of ankle brace some kind of boot that comes up something because it is happening to him way too often and those ligaments are getting more and more stretched and it's just going to happen more and more often what i do think though is that as unfortunate as this is for brazil it's he's going to miss the tournament which means he gets to rest which means he'll recover and be ready for psg when the season comes around so it's kind of a good thing for us, but I also think that the manager needs to look at managing his minutes in terms of how many games that he plays. We don't really need him against Nantes or somebody like that. We need him for those Champions League games, and someone's going to have to sit down with Neymar and be like, look, we are going to be very careful with when and where we play you, and he's going to have to just accept that and understand his injury history and be okay with not playing every day i know it's hard to stay in shape and all that and it's going to be tricky uh, some people may disagree with me but we we bought him for that amount of money or paid his bayout buyout so that he could play in big champions league games for us and he has not been able to do that for us since he came here this is the season where he needs to be able to do that he needs to be healthy come you know next february next march and be ready to play in those games so 
Injury sucks for yeah. Brazil, but it could be a good thing for PSG if we handle it right. Yeah, and I I, I will say I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I don't think it's good for his psyche. I think he's I don't know how I I, I think he's um somewhat of a mentally tough human being, but this is a lot of uh this is a lot of adversity even for sort of the most hard boiled of us. Um, yeah. and I also just want to say I don't think this is a rest thing. Like if you look at when he's had these injuries, it's essentially most of them have happened after rest. Most Mm -hmm. of them have happened after he's had some time off. The, the second uh, toe break essentially happened after a Qatar tour. Like Mm -hmm. the guy was basically in the sand for a a week, comes back, plays a couple game, rolls his ankle. The issue is structural. His ankle, it's almost scientific. Like, yeah, not to get too long-winded here, but he's he runs very tall. Compare him to like Eden Hazard, who's fairly low to the ground and fairly well built. Lionel Messi runs low to the ground. Guys like Kylian Mbappe and Cristiano Ronaldo are big, strong dudes, like with big, strong legs. Mm-hmm. Neymar's kind of a slight individual who plays really tall and who does a lot of tricks on the ball, a lot of false steps, a lot of movement, a lot of jerking motion, and his ankles do not support that. No. So he, there are times where he just will take a normal step in a game, and because he's so herky-jerky in his movement, because he's trying to do, you know, he's trying to think three steps ahead with his steps, his ankles just give out on him. Like they're not strong. They're not physically strong enough. So both of those, I'm sorry, I just want to keep going with this. Both of his toe injuries came from that. It wasn't because he stepped on his toe. It was because he rolled his ankle and he rolled over his toe and he broke it. That's how those two injuries happen. It's pretty simple. What needs to happen here? He needs to wear ankle braces. Yeah. And that might not make him as colorful a player on the field. That might hinder him a little bit. In being as fluid, but if he wants to have a long career here, if he wants to play another, you know, eight, nine years in high level European football, the guy has to stay healthy and he's got to wear ankle braces. I I mean, you can brand them Neymar ankle braces, you know, have them bright yellow or bright pink. I mean, it can be very colorful. I'm 100% in agreement with you. He needs ankle braces and when I watch him and I see him like rolling ankle, I watch a lot of basketball. I see players all the time roll their ankle. It hurts like hell. I roll my ankle weekly, you know, and it's like, but you roll it, it hurts like hell and you just keep going and it's fine. And so like when I see him roll his ankle, I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. Maybe out the rest of the game, it'll be okay. But then you hear the report and it's like, he has shattered, you know, 12 ligaments or something. And it's like, what the hell happened? Like, but you're right. It's just because of the way he runs and the way he plays. It's a herky-jerky style. He rolls his ankle. It's very weak, and he just does unimaginable damage to his ankle. So, sorry, Neymar. You need to strap on the braces if you want to keep playing because what you're doing now is not working. We'll move. We'll keep it moving here. Our last topic here to get started. We've got the PSG preseason schedule. They're going to do their uh, own tour in China. So, they're going to play Inter Milan, Espanyol, and then they're going to battle Ren in the Trophy de Champions try to get a little bit of revenge there. Um, Mark, compared to the U.S. tour where they would be in the ICC, um, how do you think that this China tour is going to go where PSG is kind of organizing it and going on their own? Talk a little bit about the Chinese market, organizing their own tour, some of the players that are some of the teams that they're going to be facing. Yeah. I'll just mention that Espanol, because they're now in the Europa League, that friendly might be off. So they might have to reschedule it. They might have to bring... uh, they might have to fly a team over from France to to play them in that in that game, but it could be Lille I, since they're going to be the um, farmer team. Like they're going to, you know, the, isn't that the reports that they're going to? Maybe that that there's some sensitive people about about yeah. about that, you know. This, <laughs> of course. Yeah, but no, I, uh, look at it, look at it. I look at it this way: they're going to make more money organizing their own tour than they would going on the ICC tour with a whole bunch of other teams. They get to be the show. They get to promote it. It's a good test to see if they have the the pull in China that um, they believe they have. This is clearly strategically uh, 
this is a strategically uh, motivated move here to get them a higher profile in China, in the Far East. They did it last year because the ICC happened to be in Singapore and, and in those areas. Now they're going to try it on their own. I think this will probably work. I think there's enough of an appetite in China for football that you bring Kylian Mbappe and Neymar Jr. and Angel Di Maria and you bring stars over there. People are going to come see the matches. I, I don't see a downside here. I think it's better that they organize their own thing. I, I never thought they got much out of the ICCs anyway, except for exposure. But the only difference is I don't know how we're going to watch any of these games is, or cover any of them. Because unless PSG has a, a way to put them on their own tele on their own like website, they don't. Seem, I don't know what actual uh, video like carriage they'll have for this game. But I, I do I do think it's a good idea. I, I think it's smart to try it, at least. I mean, I'm being selfish. I would love for them to come back to the United States. I always get a kick out of going to the ICC games because you, you have, a, you know, maybe Tottenham versus um, PSG and someone will show up in, like, an Arsenal jersey. And I just want to know, like, what goes through their mind. Like, I'm going to wear an Arsenal jersey to this game. So you get all kinds of interesting people. And it's also cool to see, as an American here, as a PSG fan, when they're here in the States, how many people really are. Because sometimes the media coverage is all, it's all, you know, English-based. So it's cool when you're... When they're here and you can just see how many other PSG fans, it's like, oh, I'm not the only one. It's kind of cool. So a little sad that they're not going to be here, but the Chinese market is maybe even bigger than the United States in terms of soccer. So I can totally see why they're going there. They're going to make their own, you know, more money. They don't have to share it. So that's good. Um, they may show the games on PSG TV. I think that's still a thing. Um it's it's not as good. It, that's that's not as well done as it should be. Like they have yeah they have the funds to be able to make that at least something interesting. Yeah, and I want to give a quick shout out to um our potential uh, goober of the week is Gordon Kelly. He's a tech contributor for Forbes. He he tweeted out that uh you know signing for PSG it's the European equivalent of going to play in China. So it kind of makes sense that PSG is going to do their preseason tour in China, since according to him, they're basically a Chinese team. So, um, yeah, shout out to you, Gordon. Mark, let's dive a little bit more into our number one topic, which is Leonardo's return. Talk a little bit about more about the power structure at PSG. I know that's something that you really follow closely. So, um, yeah, take it from here. They needed, I think, to whatever direction they wanted to go. And when I mean they, I mean the Qataris who own this who actually own this club and, and put the capital into it. You have to define what way you're going and what, um, and what you're going to be putting out there in the future and what your statement and your sort of statement of intent is. And for the last three, four years, I think they've been a little more hands off in letting Nasser, sort of run this thing. I think the Emir of Qatar, whose tennis buddy is Nasser Al-Khalifi, they've known each other for decades, put Nasser in charge of it. And there have been mixed results ever since Leonardo left. And the initial team that was put in there was Leonardo as the kind of buyer of the players and Nasser as the sort of business end of the operation. And that seemed to work okay. But ever since Leonardo left, PSG have had a tough time filling that sporting director role in a satisfactory way. You've had guys like Oliver Latang and Patrick Clivert and, and Terrell Henrique who have had their pluses, mainly their negatives, but they've had their positives but they haven't had the autonomy or the just general ability to get things done the way they want without interference. There's always sort of been this power struggle that Nasser has been sort of the, the referee of. And for a while, there has been a weak, and I'll say it quite frankly, a weak power structure that has been ineffective in certain areas of the club. If we're talking about the business end with Jean-Claude Blanc, I think PSG is as strong as they've ever been. 
And you can't discount that just, you know, you can't say just because the club doesn't win the European Championship that they're this yeah. failure. It's like, kind of a was, hard thing to win. It's Yes, it's, it's not easy to win that. And it takes a lot of luck, and it's not it's not a straightforward thing to win. So I don't, you know, I don't fault them for that. And the fact of the matter is that pretty much besides this year, they've won everything else there is to win. Yeah. You know, there's one year they didn't win the league and there's one year that they didn't win the the cups. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a failure, but what it is, is something that could be better that because of this sort of leadership vacuum has not been able to really reach its full potential. So to, to kind of wind this story back, what is being done right now is clear that Leonardo is has been given essentially full control of the footballing operation. And he's taken that pretty much from Antero Henrique and Nasser Al-Halifi, who had his hands in pretty much everything. So there's, I think, a, I think what they're trying to get here is a separation of church and state in that you're somebody's running the business and the business is running parallel to the football and the football is being run by one person and it's not being run by eight people. And this is a good thing for a guy like Leonardo who did not have a great run in with AC Milan, but again, AC Milan's kind of a mess. I don't know if anybody can really succeed in that at that club. Yeah. But I, I, I'll say if you're a Thomas Tuchel fan, this is maybe not the best news for you because if he thought he was going to get more power out of this, he's really not. Like He's going to have to kind of be quiet and coach the team. Wasn't the report that Henrique was getting ready to fire Tuchel and maybe Leonardo wanted to keep him? Did you I see that report? I don't, I don't know if it's that. I think okay. it's more – I think it's more Henrique – and if I'm Antero Henrique – I absolutely wanted Tomas Tuchel fired. The guy, the guy crapped on you for a month and pretty much submarined your transfer window, or at least attempted yeah. to unwittingly. And yeah, if you know, I understand Antero Henrique's side in this totally. Like the guy had a vision and a plan and was just not allowed to execute it in the way that he would wanted to. Now, whether you agree with that vision or not, he just wasn't allowed to do it. So it's better that if he's not going to be allowed to do what he wants, that he's not here. And I think what's going to happen now is that PSG are going to, hopefully, for better or worse, PSG are going to be a more focused team when it comes to getting these transfers done. It's not going to take three, four weeks of negotiations and Leandro Paredes is signed, but he's not really signed, but he's signed, but they have to still do this little part of it, and we're going to haggle over, like, and we're haggling, you know, the, the joke in January. It's ridiculous, like, yeah. We would have signed Leandro Paredes earlier if we could figure out the commission fees. Like, Antero's counting the pennies and going, hey, you know, you guys want $6 million in agent fees, but I only want to give you 4.5. Like, that's not going to happen under Leonardo. I, I can tell you just from his history, that's not going to happen. That probably would happen if we had Arsene Wenger. I guarantee you that kind of nonsense would continue happening with him uh, if he became our sporting director. But I, I 100% agree with you. I think from the months of January until the end of the season, I think the players in the team lost a lot of faith in Henrik with that Paredes uh, situation and then just the unraveling in that last month. And I think you know the sporting director, he's the easiest person to replace. And gets a lot of blame and someone on Twitter mentioned like, is there any team out there that likes their sporting director? So I would agree with that. I think they're the person that gets a lot of the blame and they're the easiest to replace. Um, but having said that, I think Leonardo is absolutely an upgrade. Um, he'll come in with and command a certain level of respect. And I can't help but wonder if all of this was done to please uh, Kylian Mbappe. Um, we all know at the award, show the french um, football awards where he mentioned that he wanted more responsibility so maybe this is his first power move maybe he went to someone and said hey i really wouldn't mind seeing leonardo here um i don't have faith in henrique putting the players that i want around me um there's been no reports to that but 
it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Mbappe had something to do with this. I mean, with Neymar injured, and a lot of people would say even if he was healthy, Mbappe is the face of PSG right now, and you're going to hire a sporting director that he agrees with. So I'm sure that he had some kind of say in this. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I, I don't think you needed Kylian Mbappe to say anything to, to figure this one out. But, yeah. uh, I mean, to really break it down simply, are you going to waste Neymar and Mbappe's prime years at PSG with a sporting director who's best who essentially in the last three windows whose best signing has been Juan Bernat. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Like we can talk about the minutia of this and I can give him credit for selling players at good profit or yeah. signing the academy players that something that Latang and Cliver didn't even bother to do. Yeah. Like this is a this is a pretty simple reason why he's not here. Like, if he if when he if he leaves, which he's probably gonna leave, you you have to sign better players. Like, yeah. you can you can build that academy up all you want. It comes down to getting good players and having good players. And I think what you'll see with Leonardo is I don't think they're gonna emphasize the academy as much as they have the last two years. I think a lot of those guys are gonna get sold, and I think that it's gonna come down to, you know. Can he bring in enough players and pieces that they can build a solid team? Why can't and, we be like Chelsea and just send all of our academy players on loan? Like Chelsea had like 75 players on loan. Why can't we do that? Why do we have well, to sell them? I mean, they don't have a reserve team anymore, so that might kind of be what they're going to do. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah. But, you know, once you send people on loan, you're one step away from selling them, which is why I don't like loaning players that I see potential in. Cause as long as we don't put a ridiculously low buy clause in there like we did with Lichelso and... But no, twenty percent's not low. Twenty percent's not low. He outperformed that though. Like we could yeah, have definitely like they're gonna turn around and sell him. Yeah, but you can't you can't project that. Like yeah. in the moment, it's it's like okay, it's like you know that one I'm not putting on Henrique. That's a Tuchel problem. It's like Tuchel didn't want to use him, yeah. so they had to find a way to sell him and a time to sell him, and they needed to do it in two days. And I think they got about the best they could get. Yeah. So, you know, whatever it is, that's going to be. But I do like that, you know, it's been eight years of QSI. I think it is time for them to stop kind of messing around and let's give a let's get a real run at this. Like, let's put a guy in there that's going to do what he wants and see what happens. Because you, you can't you can't kind of live in this half world where. We want to win the Champions League, but we're also playing Tilo Carrer in major minutes. And we're also like, you know, having these um, having these wars with players and freezing them out of the team. And, you know, having it, it just it's not the club was not from that perspective, not being run well because Antero Henrique is not a people person. Right. He's a number cruncher and there's a, there's places in this world for people that crunch numbers. But being the sporting director of a club like PSG is not one of them. It's not a you know, soccer is not a, a, a sport that has really embraced that sort of penny pinching analytics side of the game. Like, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's still about getting good players and buying good players like that's what this is about. And the dude couldn't do it. So now they know that the guy they're bringing in has had a history of it. So they're going to take their chances with it. I, I think I, I I think this was the the chess move to make if you're worried about the future and you want to sort of solidify things. I sent this out on Twitter and I'll just bring it up here. Does PSG even need a sporting director? Like, think about it. Like, why wouldn't let the manager go with the Bill Parcells or the Sean Payton? You know, shop for the groceries and cook. Let let the manager pick the players that, that fit his system. And with PSG funds, you know, like you said, you don't need someone to sit there and count all the pennies. Let the you hired the manager, you've extended him, you're keeping him. Let him pick the players, let him identify, and then call him up and say, hey, delete. You want to play here? How much you want? All right, done. Next, who do you want? Yeah. Call him up. Someone might say, I don't want to go to, I don't want to play in league. Okay, screw you. Next. You know, like how hard is this? Well. 
you'd think it could be that simple, but I, I don't see, like, I don't like giving that job to somebody who's quite frankly, doesn't have the, the experience to do it. Like Telmas has not been a high level manager for the longest period of time here. Yeah. And I generally prefer to have somebody who's in that job who can basically devote themselves 24 seven to it. Like you don't want, you but don't is want it the guy to, you don't want a guy to coach the team in the in the afternoon and then have to go over at night on the phones. But like is make- it is it fair to judge a manager when he doesn't have a hundred percent say in the players that he's coaching? So it's sort of like you know Coach K at Duke. You know, he gets to recruit those players. Those yeah. are the players that he wants, and then he gets to coach them. What if you were to apply that same sort of method methodology to football and you say, I want that player, I'm gonna bring him to PSG and then I'm gonna coach him? It's not that unreasonable, right? Yeah, but also, what big club does that? Well, PSG is unlike any other big club, and well, doing yeah, but, it the old school way that, with a sporting exactly, director but, hasn't worked. Yes, but also, you know, the only club that doesn't really have a sporting director is Real Madrid, and they have Florentino Perez making their their transfer dealings. Like, personally. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it works for Nick Saban and Alaba. It could work. But yeah, but you're also talking about professional. You're talking about professional to non-professional. They all get paid. They all get paid, but it's it's not exactly the same thing. Sure. But I get your I get what Uh, you're saying. It's just I I don't know personally if I would trust Tuchel's judgment on who a good football player is or not. I think he's good at developing players. I think you give him young players, he can develop them. I think he knows X's and O's. I think he can put a. I think he can for the most part game plan well. But I, I think they need a guy who's a known deal maker, a guy who can go in there and, and have these conversations with players and has the in the important part, which is something that Henrique had to a degree, was the connection with the agents and the connection with the with the uh, the market. And that's not something that Tomas Tuchel has like. You need you need to be able you're 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 negotiating with an agent you're not negotiating with a player. But anybody and, can get an agent's phone number and if you say hey I'm Thomas Tuchel from PSG they're gonna answer your phone call because they know you have deep pockets right like you don't need to have this insider knowledge like oh what what's this agent's phone number like you can get it and they'll answer your phone call. Yeah, but also there's a trust part too where. You know, the reason the the De Jong deal fell through is because Henrique was working blind with a guy that he'd never worked with before. Yeah, you don't want to get used. I, I think I do hear your point that I don't know if Tuchel is the manager, but Zidane, you know, I think if he were coaching, yeah, Mourinho could do possibly it. do it, don't you think? I mean, he's, I don't know. Lately, yeah, he hasn't Zidane brought could do, Zidane could play, do it. But, yeah. Zidane could do it. Um, you know, so there are certain people that can do it. And as always, these are situational things. <laughs> you know, it's not a one size fits all plan. Every, every, everything works different depending on your level of comfort and skill. But time to make this. To, I think looking at it, I'm a little skeptical at the timing. That's better now than later, I yeah. guess. You know, they 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 have it doesn't seem like they've abandoned any of the tracks that they were on. And I I think if Leonardo can improve on what Henrique was trying to do and, you know, do it faster, it's like, you know, it's like those uh, it's like those um, race, those relay race shows or like those American Ninja Warrior show where the guy I'm actually. Course- where the guy runs I'm the actually watching in seven that right minutes now. as opposed to the guy running it in two. Yeah. Like that that sort of, you know, it, it, there are levels to this. So I, I would say it's an interesting time in the in in PSG. Side note, I really want to see Zlatan do American Ninja Warrior. I don't know. Zlatan, I know you're listening. If you can go on that show, would really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. We got about 15 minutes left. You ready to do this? 15 minutes? Eh, give or take a couple minutes. Reports are coming out, even though they've been denied by Rabio's camp, that he could potentially be interested in signing an extension with PSG. 
as we all know, he's been sent to the reserve. We haven't seen him since like last year. I mean, I don't even know the last time. Sometimes I'll check in on his this, Instagram. December. It was, in, it was in December. December. Okay. So we haven't seen him since December. There's all these rumors. He's going to Tottenham. No, they're below him, even though they got to the Champions League final. He's going to Manchester United. No, they're not in the Champions League. He's going here. He's going there. Liverpool. Liverpool has no need for him whatsoever. So basically, nobody wants him is what I'm finding out. And so the it's being leaked out there that he could potentially sign an extension. I know PSG fans hate him. I don't think it's the worst thing. You wouldn't have... I mean, I think it would be cheaper than signing someone of his quality from another team. And maybe he has a lot to prove. Maybe he wants to win the fans back. I think this could be a great story if he's able to win back the fans and show that and maybe kiss the badge after a big goal in the Champions League or something. I think that this could be great. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm just going to leave it out there. What do you think? I think you pretty much answered your own question. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, – this, this doesn't – like, what would that even look like? Like, we'd have to apologize? Like, Oh, look, no, no apologies from us, no. No, not from us, but from him. Like, would he apologize? Would he do – would he apologize? Would he – like, what would that announcement video look like? What it would, would look like that Marco Verratti where they, like, put him in a room and he's like, I'm going to sign. I'm not leaving. I, I think it would be something like that. Yeah, but it's all just I, – I don't think you can go back. But he's like, good. He's, like he's – Yeah, good. but I don't think you can – I don't think you can go back. I think they all know that you – you know. I you think can always all, go back. N- no, you, you can't in this case. He's too – the fans are not going to accept it. They're just not. And you've already signed essentially Ander Herrera for, and you've given the wages you would give to Rabio to Ander Herrera. We gotta so, give him credit for that, right? He had, he pulled off the Herrera signing, wouldn't yeah, you think? But, yeah, yeah, give him credit I, for that. Yeah, I'd say. But now your midfield is Verratti, Herrera, um, Paredes. And you'd have to fill in guys from there. Theoretically, Rabio could play, but he's not going to start. He'd could have you? To come off the, he'd have to come off the bench. Yeah. I don't know if that's what he wants to do. Could you like, sign him and then transfer him somewhere? Get some money for him? I think they could maybe do that. Like, I don't know if that's what he wants, but like, I, I just think he. I don't know. Like. I, it's such I, a weird situation. Knew, you knew from the beginning that they were playing this all wrong, that Rabio's people and, you know, mean, mainly his mother were playing all of this wrong. Like, and here we are. Like, is there really any interest in the guy? Like, there's peripheral here and there. Like, hey, man, United might want him or, yeah. like, somebody might want him or, like, Real Betis might want him. Like, there's nothing really concrete. There's, like, two clubs that he would sign for, Liverpool and Barcelona. From what and I can tell, neither of them want him. Neither and neither of them, neither, want him. Neither of them want him. It, and he's, it, 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 he's he's played himself essentially out of millions of dollars. Like it's one, it really is one of the like just aw- awesomely bad leverage moves that he that he, that his that his camp made. It, like, he's quickly finding out that playing in Paris for a team in the Champions League all the time, making a ton of money, um, it, it's not as bad as maybe he originally thought. And he was a starter. Like, he he wasn't on the bench. He was a regular starter until all of this happened. Yeah. I, they, he, he played himself out of a lot of money, and now he may have to sign a prove-it deal somewhere with a club that would be willing to take him on and st- have him start. But he ain't going to get paid what he wants to get paid. Absolutely not. He's dug his heel. He cannot sign for a team that – he can't sign for, you know, West Brom or you – Well, know. he has to play. Like, where is he – he has to play somewhere. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping we can re-sign him, but I, I just don't, what do I, don't I know? Think, I don't think fans want that. <laughs> All right. So the last topic we got for the day – the Women's World Cup in France kicked off today. Uh, you had France beat um, South Korea 4-0. So 
So big win for them. I believe France is the the favorites in this. They got a, a lot of players from Lyon. Um, but, you know, the United States are in there. So I don't know if you got a chance to catch the game today, but do you have a favorite in this tournament? Who do you think is going to win the whole thing? I, I do not have a I do not have a favorite. I did not really watch this game because I was working, but I I think that unless until they show otherwise, the United States are just they they have been the best team in women's soccer for twenty years. There have been teams like Japan mm-hmm. and Sweden that'll give them tests once in a while, but overall the United States is the best team. France if they're going to win it, they're probably going to win it this year. This is their best team. Like, they have, they have, you know, one of the best women's players in the world, Lea Somer, and they have mm-hmm. a bunch of other really good players. Um, so if it's not the United States, it could be France. Australia has a half-decent team, too. But it is fun to watch the, this, the game kind of grow on both, in both levels here of men's and women's. And uh, it's good for France to host a World Cup, even if it's a women's World Cup. Actually, it's really good to, for the women to host that World Cup because it gives those those stadiums some extra mm-hmm. some extra revenue. It, it grows the game. Absolutely, absolutely win-win overall. Um, I was at work as well, so I missed the game, but I do enjoy the women's game. It's much like women's basketball where you're not going to get the high-flying dunks and all of that, but what you are going to get is sound technical so if you're just a fan of the game itself of football the women's game is is a joy to watch so i will push back a little bit i don't know if the united states are favorites i think france would be the favorite and you would think as an american i would root for usa and as the founder of psg talk i would root for france but no my pick i'm rooting for jamaica they got a tough group with australia italy and brazil but this is jamaica's first um world cup that they're in so, so i'm pulling for them um We'll see. Hopefully, I think they can get out of their group. Uh, also, uh, this summer, African Cup of Nations. Yes. We did, a, uh, we did a preview of that. I'm still trying to get a Copa America preview. Luckily, we did. Luckily, we didn't do it before Neymar got hurt, because <laughs> then we'd have to completely redo it. But um, yeah. Yeah. So check those out. The the Africa Cup of Nations podcast was amazing. Um, the guys that you had on there, their names escape me right at the moment, but super knowledgeable. You had a guy from Egypt, and um, you had John Alangi, he's from the Congo, right? He was born there. So yep. you have people that are, are from the continent that are just talking about what it means to the several different countries and and how the, the tournament's been moved from one country to another due to civil unrest. And it's a lot more than just the games and, and what it means to uh, people who live there. And it's, it's just a great episode. So kudos to you on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We are PSG Talk. Um, you can follow us uh, at PSG Talk. You can follow my personal account at Mark Damon One. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcasts, uh, PSG Talking and the 1970. And visit our website, PSGTalk.com. So for uh, PSG Talk, this has been Ed and Mark saying au revoir for now. <laughs>